G'day and welcome to the In The Know, On The Go podcast produced by Humans of Agriculture. Our podcast is designed to get you across the things that matter in Aussie agribusiness in a way that's just, well, bloody easy to understand. Think of me as a friend, I, that is learning with you as we discover and chat about the topics from farm to fork and even beyond. I'm joined by the Honourable Murray Watt, Minister for Agriculture, Fisheries and Forestry, as well as Minister for Emergency Management. Murray, I want to start off by painting a little bit of a, a context. I know you understand a little bit about humans of agriculture, but we recently did a survey and some really interesting insights came out of it. And I think this year especially, and I think over a few years, we've seen mental well-being, mental health really come into the radar. And then the, the report by the NFF and Norco earlier this year, one of the key things that really stuck out to me was that 27% of farmers said that feeling lonely or isolated has had the biggest impact on their mental health. And then when we did our community survey, which we only wrapped up in the last probably four to six weeks, one of the top three emotions people felt when it came to engaging with humans of agriculture content was connected. And one person gave us a bit of feedback that said, sometimes you and your podcast guests are the only other voices that I'll hear during the workday. So I just wanted to start off by probably painting a little bit of the picture, but saying, welcome to this special place that we've somehow created through humans of agriculture. And I'm looking forward to getting to know you a little bit more. For sure, Ali. It's great to have a chance to come and have a chat with you and your listeners on what I know is a very well listened to podcast, bump into people all around the country who are regular listeners to this podcast. And I think you're right. I mean, I've found, again, as I travel around the place, that podcasts are playing a much more important role in farmers' lives and rural Australia's lives uh, because, let's face it, people spend a lot of time on harvesting equipment and all sorts of other things on their own. And that these days they can actually listen to something, depending what the uh, mobile signal is like, I suppose. So, yeah, this plays a really important role in sharing different people's experiences and, and thoughts, and I'm really happy to be a, be a part of it. I'm interested, and I want to start off. You're a boy from Queensland, and we won't touch on the last couple of weeks of how it's been for Queensland, as we know, the Brisbane Lions and the Broncos probably didn't have their fun. It hasn't been our finest hour. You know, it might add to that very big chip on our shoulder here in Queensland. <laughs> <laughs> You've got the Olympics coming up in a few years, so we'll just focus ahead, will we? We do. I really want to know. So this kid from Queensland, did you ever have any intention of finding yourself in agriculture? My honest answer is that I probably ne never sort of set out to work in agriculture, but there was enough in my family history that makes it not an entire surprise that I've ended up in this role. And I think also one of the things about agriculture and I guess having the privilege of being the minister is it's what you make of it. And there are many aspects of my life that intersect with agriculture in some way, whether it be as a you know consumer of food, as someone who's interested in regional Australia, or ever since I've been involved in politics and public policy, I've always been drawn to regional issues. And again, that might be a little bit about my family background, or it might be about coming from Queensland, which is such a decentralised state. So I guess there were enough signals there that I might, might end up in this role, even though I didn't necessarily. And, you know, I think I'm one of many people who may not necessarily come directly from that background, not, not having been personally a farmer, but, you know, these days agriculture is such a broad career that there's a place for so many different people with different skills and experiences, and I'm lucky enough to be one of them. So your previous life, you were a lawyer, chief of staff. What was it that drew you into politics? Because it is an all-consuming task when you step in. 
It is, and I look every one of my 50 years, if not more, uh, as a result of it. Uh, and I have been involved in politics one way or another, probably since I was about 20. So I grew up in Brisbane, and politics was something that my family talked about a lot growing up. It's interesting, my father's side of the family, my, my dad, as you may be aware, grew up on a dairy farm outside Mackay in North Queensland. And so my dad's side of the family mainly come from farming backgrounds and not surprisingly are probably more a bit National Party leaning. But my mum's side of the family were more, I guess, working class urban people and more lean to the Labor side. And basically, as early as I can remember, politics and what was going on in the world was something that was always being discussed in our household and whenever we went and visited family members. With a family background like that, you'd you'd get family members who would disagree. uh, And I found that interesting. And yeah, so I think, as I say, as long as I can remember, it's been discussed and it was something that was important. And I think for me, I sort of always felt it was a way to make a contribution to society. And I think each of us contributes in whichever way we're best suited to. Um, As you say, the early parts of my career, I worked as a lawyer. And, you know, this sounds a bit corny, but I did go into law because I wanted to make make the world a better place. I thought by helping people through the law, that would be a good way to do it. But I sort of found it a bit frustrating after some time that I still felt like the system was stacked against the kind of people who I was representing. And for me, the better way to try to change that was to get into politics. And, you know, maybe I've made a couple of things a little bit better along the way. Try and change the system instead. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's I'll keep on trying. One one day we'll get there. How does someone end up as the agriculture minister? Because I feel like this is a fascinating part. And I've spoken to a few different people. There is only one of you in these roles. And yeah, like how does it actually come to, one, obviously your government's got to come into power, but two, did did you, I guess, nearly lobby yourself and position yourself for this role? Again, I, I don't think I ever sort of directly was angling for the role, but all of the work that I'd done as a senator uh, for six years in Queensland, I think it was a bit of a natural fit. And as I say, I've been someone who's always been very comfortable uh, travelling well outside capital cities into regional areas, rural areas. I like to think I'm able to communicate well with rural and regional people. And again, I think that's partly about my family background. A lot of the people I meet with when I'm on farms or in regional towns are very much like my extended family. And I'm, I'm really interested in the sort of issues that come up in regional Australia. I think that, you know, no matter where you live, you do have a right to a certain level of service from a government. You know, it's unrealistic to think that there's going to be a major tertiary hospital in every country town across the country, but you want to be able to access these kind of things reasonably easily. And so, yeah, I, I had spent a lot of time working in regional Queensland in particular, but as time went on, the whole of the country. And I was fortunate, you know, after the election, I wasn't in the shadow cabinet before the election and didn't necessarily expect to be in the cabinet, but that's the way things turned out. And the Prime Minister had a bit of a chat with me about some of the things that he was thinking I could do. And I actually did say I'd be really keen to take on agriculture, that it was issues that I cared about. I was really keen to maintain some sort of portfolio that kept me connected to rural and regional Australia. And agriculture is a pretty good one for that. So, yeah, it's I think it was partly just a combination of chance and good fortune with having put in the hard yards over the last few years in this space. Yeah, I think we can't be a senator for Queensland without having a fair bit of contact with the agriculture sector. And that stood me in good stead, I think. Absolutely. And agriculture as an industry is an interesting one because obviously we do have such a large footprint in terms of more than 50% of Australia's land mass is actually under agricultural management. 
but GDP wise, it's only a circa about two percent. So we're a small player financially, huge in terms of landmass. Like, what is the share of voice like, and I guess the level of yeah, I guess respect that agriculture or esteem that agriculture holds in those bigger and media conversations. Oh, I think that agriculture and regional Australia is held in very high regard, both within our government and in Canberra generally. You know, you're right. I mean, if you look at it in percentage terms, in some ways it may not be that high, but there are particular sectors within agriculture that are massive contributors economically for our country, whether you're looking at it at a national level, but particularly if you're looking at, at specific regions. You know, rural Australia would be in a lot of trouble without agriculture, so it really punches above its weight. But But also I think that people are coming to understand that if you think about the whole agriculture supply chain, especially post-Farmgate, there's a lot of that that goes on in our big cities as well, whether it be food processing or logistics, you know, that's all still part of the agriculture supply chain. You know, the, the abattoirs that we have, a lot of them are in big cities or not far from them. So I think that that means that it is a daily experience. And let's face it, everyone eats, uh, everyone consumes their coffee or their beer or their products that are made from agriculture. And I think that gives people a direct interest. So I think one of the things I guess I've tried to do as the minister is try to broaden the image of agriculture. Of course, farmers and people who work on farms are going to always be central to the agriculture sector, but it doesn't just stop there. It's a much broader sector with a much bigger economic footprint. And I think the other important part of it is it's a huge part of shaping the impression of Australia overseas. Uh, I actually gave a speech in Brisbane about this last week where I was talking about how I think that we can be doing more to think about agriculture as a real part of our foreign policy and how we project our national power. You know, that might be a bit sort of highfalutin to sort of think about it in that way. But if you talk to most people overseas, one of the things they know about Australia is the really high quality food and fibre that we produce. And I think we need to really take that on board as part of what we offer to the world. Yeah, I agree. And and I think it, it's interesting because I have this, I guess, this blue sky, probably maybe even rosy coloured glasses view of it. And I, I think what you're saying, when I think of agriculture, I try and take that whole of value chain view and I try and look at who is anyone who's producing, moving or consuming. And I think it's about bringing in and honouring the key part that everyone with passion plays across it. But then also, I think when it comes to regions and agriculture, say the agritourism piece, but also rural Australia, like it's tourism as well and it's marketing and it is that brand Australia. And I think in my head, I see it as being a huge opportunity coming into the 2032 Brizzy Olympics to go, well, actually, let's really get agriculture and our regions on the map so people want to come for that. I guess the, the gap, and it's part of, I guess, the privilege of living in Australia is this growing disconnect that we've got of urban Australians. 83% in, I think it was 2018, listed that they had a distant or non-existent connection to agriculture. So how do we elevate that and reconnect agriculture and food and fibre with urban Aussies? Yeah, I, I think it can be very easily done because of the amount of contact that urban Australians have with agriculture, whether they think about it directly or not. You know, again, it might be something about Queensland as a decentralised state, but I find that there's a lot of people who live in Brisbane, where I live, who got family connections to the land that very often are only one generation apart. I'm an example of that. And there's so many other people like that. So there's that element. But again, I think if we get people thinking about agriculture as food and fibre in a bit more of a general sense, then everyone's got a direct connection to that. And everyone, I think, has an interest in eating good quality, healthy, you know, clean food. And there's growing interest in that in Australia and overseas. And that's something that we can tap into. You know, there's the, the whole restaurant and cafe culture 
is alive and well in every big city of Australia, and it all comes back to products that that come off the land uh, or out of our oceans. And so I think that's a good point of connection as well. I mean, I think we've been putting a fair bit of work into how we can attract younger Australians to take up careers in agriculture, particularly younger Australians in the city. And what I've found when I've gone to some of the agriculture courses in city high schools is that when I talk to the kids and talk to the teachers about why they're doing those subjects, what they like about them is the connection to technology, which of course, you know, there's so much technology in agriculture these days and growing by the second, and the sustainability argument around agriculture And they're things that a lot of industries don't have going for them. So I think they're real points of connection for people in the city that the sector can be doing more to promote and we as a government can be doing more to promote as well. Hey, it's Nick here, sheep farmer and Rabobank Regional Client Council member. I'm passionate about supporting our local community so we can improve community wellbeing and build strong local economies. My job as a client council member is to help secure funding for regional grassroots initiatives, those that support education in ag, rural health, sustainability, and help bridge the country-city divide. We've helped organisations like Boys to the Bush, funded school field days like Ag Vision, and held succession planning workshops, just to name a few. If you have an idea to make a difference to regional Australia, go to our website at www rabobank.com.au and nominate via our community fund. We'd love to hear from you. I've got a couple of questions I want to finish on. One actually comes out of a discussion I had when I was part of the Australian Rural Leadership Program a couple of years ago. And it was this, and it's this conversation which comes and a statement that plays on my mind so much. And it's that the perfect world doesn't exist and there actually needs to be compromise in order for progress. I'm interested in your decision-making, Maria. How do you actually approach your decision-making, knowing that that perfect world doesn't exist and there is always going to be trade-offs? Yeah, look, that's daily life in politics. Uh, I guess it probably is in other professions as well, but it certainly is in politics because you you can never get the perfect. And what's that phrase? Not letting the perfect be the enemy of the good. I think when I'm thinking about agriculture decisions, obviously you start with what is the very best possible outcome you can get on a topic, you know, whether it be biosecurity or trade or workforce or sustainability. But of course, in politics, you've got to think about what is doable as well and what you can get community support for. And that doesn't only just mean doing the popular things, uh, but it means that if you're going to do something that's a bit politically difficult, you've got to put the groundwork in. And there's been a few issues like that that we've had to deal with, that we've come up with options that aren't you know, entirely supported, but you want to maximise the amount of support that you can. And sometimes that's by laying the groundwork and getting the information out there so that people know why you're doing something. One of the things I think I've learned in politics is that sometimes you've got to really define the problem that you're trying to solve before you come up with the solution. Because if you come up with some big solution to a problem that people don't know exists, then then they're going to go, well, why are you doing that? But if they've understood why you've come up with a solution they may not 100% agree with it but at least they know why you're doing it so I think there are ways of as I say building community support for decisions obviously every government depending on their politics is going to have a different view of the world and and what a good outcome is and you always kind of connect it back to your own values but yeah I think 
as I say, there's very few decisions that I've been able to make that are ones that I'd regard as entirely perfect, but you want to get them as close to what you think is perfect and what is going to be good for the sector. I mean, of course, that's the fundamental thing you're trying to achieve with every decision you make is that what's going to take agriculture forward. I've got a view of what that is, about what taking agriculture forward is. You know, we want to be more sustainable in the future. We want to make sure that everyone gets a share in it, whether they're the farmer or the farm worker. And yeah, you want to make sure that overall you leave the sector in a much better place than how you inherited it. So off the back of that, what do you hope your legacy is at the stage when you exit left and finish up your career? What do you really hope your legacy is that you've built? Yeah, it's funny, Ollie. I've sort of made it a point not to think too much about my legacy because I I guess I sort of find it a bit arrogant to think about it in that way. And, and, you know, you don't want to sort of, I don't want to go in, I didn't go into politics to sort of have a long list of achievements, but I guess the work that you do every day, whether you like it or not, does leave a legacy. And I think I'm certainly proud of the work that we've done in the biosecurity space since becoming, coming to office. You know, I think it was my fifth week in the job as a brand new agriculture minister that we faced foot and mouth disease getting to Bali. Uh, that was a pretty massive wake-up call that, you know, being in government is a responsibility. It's not just about throwing rocks at other people, which is what you're doing when you're in opposition, and I sure did my share of that. But, yeah, I think that we have been able to get the biosecurity system in a much stronger space than what it was, and and I think that we were able to use that uh, situation along with industry to educate the broader Australian community about why biosecurity mattered. I think that if you ask your average person... Uh, in regional Australia, they get it. If you ask the average person in a big city, before that came along, I don't think they really knew much about what biosecurity was. And I think that we've gone some way to explaining to people in the big cities as well why this stuff matters. And that, frankly, that helps me when I go into cabinet, when I go into expenditure committees seeking funding for biosecurity, if people see it as a real priority. But also, I think, you know, we're obviously doing a lot of work, as I say, in the workforce space to develop the workforce that the sector needs. We're doing a lot of work in the trade space to open up new markets. But I think the other area I'm really passionate about is the sustainability of agriculture. I'm always at pains to tell audiences, whether it be in Australia or overseas, about the incredible work that's already happened around climate adaptation and sustainability from the Australian ag sector. But we know we're going to need to do more. We've got to build on that. And One of the things you might have heard me say, Ollie, is that I think we've got an incredible opportunity now where we've got both a government and an industry who want to do more in this space. I don't think it's exactly a surprise that to hear that our government is more ambitious on this stuff than probably any government in Australia's history has been. And the industry is really doing a lot as well. You know, so much of the sector has committed to carbon neutral production targets. They've got their net zero goals. And now we've got a government who wants to match that ambition. And I think that really puts the sector in a really good place for the future uh, because, as I said before, consumers, whether they be here in Australia or overseas, are looking for more and more sustainably produced food. And I don't want to see a situation where Australian producers miss out on those overseas markets because we haven't lifted our game. So that's an area that I'm going to be putting a lot of time into over the next 12 months because I think that is the real key to having a successful ag sector not just in five years, but in 500 years. So one final question. I I can't let you get away without answering it. If you have the chance to head down to a a metro school and chat to year 10 students about a career in agriculture, what would you tell them about it and why should they consider it as a career? 
Yeah, well, I've actually literally done that, Ollie. I remember it would have been probably last year now I went with our federal member, Graham Perrett, to one of the schools in his electorate, Corinda State High, and that's a suburban high school in Brisbane um, with an incredible agriculture program. You know, I've obviously, you know, been to ag programs in the country as well, but I thought it was really interesting to go one in the city. And as I said before, hearing the kids and hearing the teachers talk about the technology that they get to work with, the opportunity to create sustainably produced products. I think they're the big selling points for agriculture. And so that's what I've been talking about when I've gone there. Um, we're actually doing some work with AgriFutures, the, the Research and Development Corporation at the moment, how we can encourage young people to take up careers in ag and how we can shape careers counsellors in schools to think about putting ag forward as an option for even for city kids who have never had any connection to it. And I think it is the opportunity to work with technology and sustainability that is a really quite unique selling point that ag's got. You know, many careers in the city don't offer you those opportunities. And let's face it, most young people are interested in technology and sustainability. So why not trade on those advantages that ag's got? I think there's there's a real opportunity there. Meeting people where they are with things they're interested in makes complete sense. Well, Murray, I know you're a very busy man. Thank you so much for taking the time to sit down and have a chat. I really appreciate it. I think something special about agriculture, having access to people like yourself and others, it's definitely very special. Oh, and cuts both ways, Ollie. I've had some incredible experiences uh, on farms, in oceans, uh, in abattoirs, all sorts of places that I wouldn't have ever had the chance to go to if I didn't hold this role. And it helps me learn more every day and inspires me to see people out there doing what they do to take this sector forward. So really, I really want to thank you for your contribution and the opportunity to have a chat today. Beauty. Thank you for that. No worries. Well, that's it for another episode from us here at Humans of Agriculture. We hope you're enjoying these podcasts and, well, if you're not, let us know. Hit us up at hello at humansofagriculture.com. Get in touch with any guest recommendations, topics or things you'd like us to talk and get curious about. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with a friend. Rate, subscribe, review it. Any feedback is absolutely awesome and we really do welcome it. So look after yourselves, stay safe, stay sane. We'll see you next time. See ya.